And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you got all that I need. Dimsey hits Davin Fee. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colm Coyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Garrity and meet of the football champions. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the We Are Mead podcast. I'm Mickey Brennan and today I'm delighted to say that we've got a packed house here um, to do the podcast. As usual I'm joined by uh, Kieran Flynn, the Mead PRO, but also as you heard on uh, Twitter we've also secured the um, the knowledge and power of David Rispin for a few more of our podcasts anyway this year and we'll see how, how negotiations go on a on a new deal come January. David, thanks a million for coming into the podcast again. Cheers for, cheers for having me, Mickey. A short-term deal for the end of the season, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see after that. We were missing a goalkeeper and uh, you know, you're know you allowed to have special exemptions for, for goalkeepers <laughs> if you're missing a goalkeeper. You're allowed to sign one in, so we, we've brought him in. And also we're delighted to be joined by Brian Kelly, the uh, PRO, I think, of the Mead Minor County Board. Is that right? Uh, I wish to be less work on that secretary, actually. Secretary, secretary of the of the Mead Minor County Board, and he's going to be going through some of the matches that are taking place in the minor setup this weekend between hurling and football. But it's a, an action-packed um, podcast again this week. We have the obviously the Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals, the Ted Murta Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals that took place on the weekend. We also have uh, the Minor Football Championship and Minor Hurling. We have previews of the Chocolate Terrick Junior Championship final, which will be all given predictions on as well this week. So you'll have uh, four um, uh, different voices given their predictions. So Kieran won't feel too left out. Um, Just still back against me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have predictions, obviously, and a preview of the Mead Potato Intermediate Championship Final between Longwood and Ballinlock. The Fairhill Steel Senior Championship Semi-Finals also take place and we'll have a look at the Junior B and we'll take care of all other GAA business which is a couple of things that we're going to bring uh, to light that uh, one in particular that we're just after hearing in the last few moments so I suppose what we'll do uh, Kieran, is uh, because you are our resident hurling expert we'll go to the Ted Murta Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals that took place in the weekend and on Saturday Kildalki took on trim in uh, Park Tolchin in headquarters and it was Kildalki who finished this one on nine points, but it was Trim who came away with the victory with a uh, scoreline of 112 to Kildalki's nine points. A six-point win for Trim. And um, I suppose that one probably booked the trend. And it was one that, let me just check from last week. Just, just going through the pages from last week and we'll just check the, the predictions. Um, Kieran, you said that Kildalki were going to win this one and that they were going to have too much for Trim. And funnily enough, I had picked Trim to win this because I thought the Kildalki just weren't going to be weren't going to be cohesive enough after uh, bringing all the players back in, and and that came to fruition. But you were at this game here, and tell us all about it. 
I just wait for the second game as well. Just just remind, just be, keep listening to everyone. He's not as he's not as full of himself for the next game. When but you're talking <laughs> about the second game, I'll be making more coffee. <laughs> but the, yeah, Kildare, very disappointed for Kildare. Like they've been one of the premier hurling teams in Mead for the last few years, all the levels up, and they just never got off the ground, never got going. Their forwards got completely manhandled, and they just couldn't get the ball over the bars enough. And Trim kind of brought a physicality that I hadn't seen from them all year. The likes of James Toher, Alan Douglas too, the county men were savage. But a big shout out to Damo McGee, who was he was just perennially good. Like he was he's definitely not the fittest man in the field, but he just showed up on the ball every time, put the ball. His stick work is probably one of the best in the county. And if he plays half as well the next day, it'll be hard work for the, the other team. We're going to come to now. Yeah, and Alan Douglas as well, one six for Trim, um, another standout performance. Athleticism for the hurling, like at this at that level, like coming in from being on the county football squads and that, like he just shows the athleticism he brings to that hurling is something else. Yeah, and only one from that one six was from a free, so you know one five from play, um, an excellent return from the from the county man. But um, <clears throat> you mentioned Damon McGee as well; he got three points. Sean McGee got a point. <clears throat> Thomas Farrell uh, got a point. And uh, Neil Heffernan, who came on as a sub for uh, Dowling at half time, he scored a point as well. well so. I, I was, there was a joke that I wrote on it as well. Um, anyone that knows Neil Heffernan, great hurler, played the county squad this year, but he's one of the worst subs in the country for shouting, roaring, and balling in the dugout. And I've already asked the trim management to start him in the final and don't take him off. Because everyone that knows him, he's, he's great crack and he loves his hurling, but Christ, he's loud. <laughs> so I've made it, I've said, please play him, start him. See, I call that passion. Oh no, it's unbelievable. He just loves the hurling so much. And like, Neely's one of the most honest to good hurlers in the county, like, and he just loves it. But it's well, start him, please. It's a great weekend for, for Trim Hurling when you look at it. Mm. Their juniors are in their uh, their final, and so also are the minors. So, you know, there's a lot of work being done in the hurling and Trim at the moment. Well, absolutely. They've gone uh, bar this year now. They went to the five previous hurling fellas. So that means, like, you've basically been the best team kind of at underage for the last five years. They've kind of went through all that. They've kept winning the titles. So now these young lads are the ones that played very well at the weekend, and they're going to keep coming through. And just like Kiltail maybe had the ten years previous, the likes of Jaxie Regan and the Twins, uh, the two Ryan's, like they came through these sides that won failing went through. So maybe it's Trim's turn. I don't know. We'll all will left to be seen, but Trim definitely have a lot of potential coming through. Yeah, and Brian, I suppose, uh, Kieran did want to bring in you as well onto this because you'd be a hurling man as well. Um, <laughs> newly converted. You know. Newly converted hurling. So, so the rumour has it now, but uh, there's not much hurling out where I come from. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't give the sticks out there to the boys in Centre Saints, you couldn't. But um, were you at any of the games on the weekend? I was in at the Kiltail game on Sunday. Yeah, we were just going to yeah. come to that. The Kiltail game took place on Sunday in Patrick Tolchin and it was Kiltail who came out victorious in this one, 318 to Rathol. Rathoats one goal and 14. A good start for Kiltail, really saw them through to the end. Um, Rathoat did come back into it towards the end of the first half, but it was too little too late. And Kiltail, the drive for five is still on, um, and it would be an amazing feat if they could get five in a row in, in, in mid-senior championship. But I suppose it's all well and good getting five senior championships. They need to push on maybe in Leinster, Brian. I do do. Like, Kiltail, they've class hurlers all over the pitch. The two Ryans, the two Sullivans... Peter Dornan has loads of experience in upper corner forward. Like they just have a wealth of talent. Shane McGann is probably one of the best keepers in the country, really. Um, but they, when they get into Leinster, they found the Kilkenny champions that won hurdle too far. I think that's 
that's probably been the focus since January for them, get through the mid championship and head for Leinster and try and right the wrongs that they feel have been there. They probably have a stronger panel this year than they had for the last few years. But Mark Sullivan seems to be flying fit these days. Yeah, but they, they, they struggled through the championship this year, and that's what I'd worry about them uh, going into into Leinster. Like they've dominated the last few years, but this year, although they stuttered at the start, they finished really, really strongly. And I suppose they were probably waiting to peak at the right There's time. There's only one time you want to peak. Yeah. And they're targeting the seventh of October since January. They didn't want to peak in the seventh of July. Yeah, it's not, it's not like the football where you have to peak three times in a year, so it's not. No. <laughs> but looking at Ratoat as well, um, Ratoat, you know, knocked out of the quarterfinal of the um, of the football championship by Dunhamore Ashburn the week beforehand. They have many a player that uh, that uh, play both play both um, uh, hurling and football, um, and you know it's 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 been a disappointing year for them, I suppose, Kieran. Yeah, well, just similar to the football, the. The names, like you know, when you read them, that they're the lads who should be starring and excelling, didn't really on the day. Gavin McGowan probably stood up and he did try and win it for his team, but he just didn't have enough kind of carrying the team by himself. And Kiltail just blitzed them in the first 10 minutes and that was kind of put it to bed. Like Anthony Ford is back from America and we mentioned him a few times on the yeah. show as probably a potential county footballer and he's a previous county hurler. So he just, he was immense and like, he's someone that no team in Meads had an answer for. And again, again, it kind of goes back to that. The, Brian was right with the Leinster point. Kilkenny had been the team that just they couldn't get anyone like Bennett's Bridge or Mullet Rat or any of these. They just couldn't get them. Ballyragget. Yeah, well, didn't want to mention them. They get enough hits this year <laughs> on Google. And they hit Dennis Fort one year with Richie Hogan. Yeah, that's right. And the brother yeah. in full flight. Yeah. Like, I think it's only, only Clemson of the team, the only team that ever won the Leinster. They bet Aaron Zog from Kilkenny, the only team down in Nolan Park. And that was probably one of the best teams Clemson ever had. So only. Kiltail really want to do that because you can win the county championship in, in Mead and they're catching up with other clubs but they want to match Clemesson and be the only other second team the second team to win Leinster so and just well will you ruffle them pages again there Mickey? oh yeah see sorry, the, sorry just yeah. see the predictions there for that one yeah. just ruffle a few predictions for that game were um, I predicted a draw I just uh, thought that was Ratoat draw, was were, yeah I predicted a draw on that one and was you it predicted, a draw was it the score no, you was. predicted Kiltail to win that one but like you know that that was an easy one to go for like, I'll well, go why didn't you pick it then why didn't you pick it then yeah I just <laughs> thought that Ratoat were going well in the hurling and in fairness to them they did have a fantastic yeah. year uh, in the hurling just falling at the at the second last hurdle is disappointing for them but I suppose Davey you know you're you're an expert on all things sticks and hurlies, and uh, um, so I was wondering what your point of view would have been on uh, Kiltail and Rotot or um, even Kildaki and Trim. Yeah, I suppose you have to admire Kiltail, um, the hunger they have every year. As you said, in football it's a little bit different in the sense that you have to peak three times a year. The likes of ourselves, we struggle to peak once a I year. Think <laughs> so. I think the board need to look at those fixtures so that um, when it comes to... Uh, that would probably be the CCC, I suppose. Do you think it would be the CCC? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's definitely not my job. <laughs> I know who's like, you're on now. <laughs> but yeah, you were saying about Kiltail anyway. Yeah, no, it, it's admirable to, you know, in any sport. I know it's it's not a strong point of mind, Hurling, but you have to admire the, the way they can come back year on year. It's sort of the same as Simonstown going for three in a row and Dunshockland back in the early 2000s. Like it's a, it's a marvellous achievement to keep going year after year and having that hunger. Mm. Um, and as Brian says, look, they probably have to rise on maybe bigger targets. Um, with, with all due respect to the teams in Mead, they probably have aspirations of going that bit further in Leinster. So time will tell, but... Um, 
Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting final. Yeah, it will indeed. And that final is taking place on the seventh of October, Sunday the seventh of October, and uh, the senior hurling sees Trim taking on Kiltail. Kiltail, as we said, the drive for five still on, and then the minor hurling final. Brian will see Trim taking on Killian Longwood. We also mentioned the Trim. Um, uh, having a marvellous year um, between their junior, senior and minor teams all making it to uh, their respective finals but um, just on that uh, minor hurling final Trim v Kalyan Longwood what way or how has that been going so far this year? Well Trim will definitely go in as the favourites they're 4 from 4 in the championship so far um, also won the Division 1 league back in April when to beat Clannagale in the final uh, they had, they probably had up to ten players maybe on the county minor hurling panel this year, so like they're a very very strong outfit. Killeen Longwood are a young team. I think there might be four or five of them in their final year at minor, but they won the Division One Shield in the league and they won the Division One league at under sixteen level. So like they're they have a lot of talent coming through as well. And two strong hurling clubs as well, like you know, so for two strong hurling clubs to come together and amalgamate for minor, they they will be very strong. Yeah, as like it's not always easy for two clubs to come together and for it to work. Oh, isn't that right, Davy? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> but in fairness, they seem they seem to be able to make it work. And they saw the bigger picture. Is that what you're going to see? <laughs> well, they're not amalgamating no, no. at senior level there. We just, <laughs> no, I, just I always, that in the yeah, just, yeah, I always find that I just find it strange. They, they play goal games separately. They play under twelve separately, and then they join for thirteen to eighteen, and then go back flaking each other for the following twenty years after. Like I think it's great. Like, and there's only whatever is it. From the village of Longwood to the hill of Down is only a few kilometres, but Actually, it may as well be... It's only a few pucks to the ball, really. Yeah, <laughs> and it, honest to God, and it's, it's may as well be the Berlin Wall sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well that game, that game, the minor hurling final between Trim, Kalai and Longwood will take place also on the Sunday, uh, the 7th of October, and that'll be the, the curtain raiser to the senior hurling finals. So, um, Trim, uh, I presume, we were talking about this off air, I presume that there'll be a bigger gap between these two games because... Funnily enough, the trim senior hurling management are also the minor management, so they'll need a little bit of time between the games. Well, you'd imagine there would, but that would be a matter for the now infamous CCC to decide. <laughs> the county board. <laughs> well said. The county board don't have a clue. <laughs> this, this monstrous beast, you know, the overarching body that can do everything or do nothing. Says one of the members of the management committee. <laughs> <laughs> can't say that <laughs> but speaking of a minor um, the minor board as well the minor football championship the LMFM minor football championship is at the semi-final stage and the division 1 semi-final sees Dunamore Ashburn taking on Centralstown and St Colum Kills taking on Navin O'Mahony's um, one thing I do see there is Navin O'Mahony's and I'm delighted they've you know, since Paddy O'Brien uh, God rest him um, uh, obviously passed away Navin O'Matney's just haven't been the force that they always were at underage levels uh, when Paddy O'Brien was there. What an absolute legend of a man. Like There's nobody in this county that would say anything else about him, but he was an absolutely incredible man. I was speaking to an Navin O'Matney's man recently who said, you know, they haven't been able to fill that void in Navin O'Matney's, and how could you? He was an absolute, you know, monster of a man. And what he did for underage football in Navin O'Matney's, and by doing what he did for the underage, 
he did his part for the senior team, you know, like it's because you can't have uh, senior teams without your underage setup. And for them, they haven't had a lot, a lot of success recently at underage. But to see a minor team uh, in, in a Division One semi final is great for Navin O'Matney's. All it is, I and mean, to be fair with it, in the last couple of years, you can see the work that's been put in at underage level in O'Matney's is coming to fruition. Like the the Bet Centralstown in the Division One League final last year at under seventeen, so like there is something coming through, but as you you mentioned Paddy O'Brien there, and one man won't replace Paddy O'Brien. No, it'll take somewhere between five and ten people to do cumulatively the work that he did on his own. Yeah, because the amount of work that man put in over the years, bringing through the likes of Kevin Riley and Paddy Smith and all the all that the Braves, all them great footballers. Like it, it was Trojan work really, and he, probably he, the you're only was, fully appreciated when you're gone. And 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 not only the thing about Paddy O'Brien was that not only did he love doing what he did for Navin O'Matney's, but he he just loved Gaelic football. There was this man similar to him down in Cavan for Cavan Gales, and. J.J. O'Reilly was his name and he passed away recently as well and I always saw the two of them as very similar men they, they were they were GAA men and when we went up any time we went up to play Navin and Matty's and we're getting sidetracked here but you, I suppose we could do a podcast on Paddy O'Brien but any team that went up got looked after by Paddy O'Brien. You know, he did his best for his own club and brought on. But when you went up there, he'd put an arm around you, he'd come up to you at after a game and he'd say, God, you did well. Or I saw him going to many a player and he came to me the odd time as well. And he was just did one he? of those. Yeah, I know, <laughs> funnily enough. You know, said, that, never that, come back here again. Well, that, <laughs> you're more than welcome back. That was, that was when I was 20, 27. And I was, that was when I was 27 and I was playing at half time in an under 12 match. <laughs> Very good. No, but he, he was just one of those men who, who was GA crazy, loved to see all the young fellas up playing football and he, he organised himself and his daughter Mary organised those mini leagues every week in Navin O'Matney's and an absolutely incredible man but maybe we'll come back to that another time it could be an idea for, for a podcast is to get somebody in from Navin O'Matney's to do a podcast on, on Paddy O'Brien but good to see Navin O'Matney's back in a Division 1 semi-final good to see them back in the semi-final but I'm afraid for O'Matney's that's as far as they'll be going right because I think St. Colm Kills they won the under 16 and league and summer league last year and I just think that they'll be a bit too strong for Manny's. And they're real powerhouses, the juvenile. Like they're, all their teams for the last 15, 20 years have been winning under 14, 15, 16. Kind of winning that. They were struggling at minor up until the Banty Conlon won one. His first minor championship, what was it, two years ago, I think? Now? Two years ago, yeah. yeah. That was the first minor championship they'd ever won. And they're starting to get it right, maybe, that they were winning under 14 and maybe taking the foot off the gas and losing lads to other sports. But now they seem to be retaining the lads a lot better and playing games and getting them playing and they're producing lads and they're getting senior football now so maybe they've I wouldn't say it's, you couldn't say they've taken the mantle of Navin and Matinees, but they've kind of they're very much in a similar elk to what they've done for a long time yeah. producing a lot of good underage players and potentially going to produce a lot of good senior players so are you saying that St. Colin Kills win that game as well? I would think so So Matinees are a shoe-in <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be, to be, the hoops for the win <laughs> to be fair about it whichever team holds the opposition's key forward is mm. crucial David yeah. Bell for St. Colm Kills is flying. And Brian O'Hanlon, while he didn't manage to get nail in a starting place at the county minors, he's at club level, he's impossible to hold. Right. He's he's lightning quick, low centre of gravity, and he's just, he's any cornerback's nightmare. Excellent. And then I suppose we'll go on to your own club, Centralstown, taking on Dunamore Ashburn. Um, again, another Division 1 semi-final here. And... Uh, 
Dunmore Ashburn, I suppose, you know, the funny thing is, is that you were saying about St. Colin Kills, Dunmore Ashburn, Dunboyne, they've all been doing exceptionally well in the last number of years at underage as well. And I'm presuming it's no different with this Dunmore Ashburn team. This Dunmore Ashburn team, um, they probably weren't fancy to come out with our group in the, in the championship, despite the fact that they have seven players, well, six bodies, but killing Hegarty straddled the under-16s and the minors. Um, they were in a very tough group. You had Rathout in that group, St. Colm Kills, and you had the St. Dalton's, Carthorne Gales, Round Towers combination. Like It really was the group of death. But they, they beat Rathout in round one, they narrowly lost St. Colm Kills and Pilton in round two, and they defeated the North Mead combination in round three. <coughs> and David, uh, your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, well, there was four clubs in it, but there wasn't 14 clubs in it now. So. <laughs> Like the United Nations or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like they have the Killing Hegarty is a an excellent fellow around the half back line. Killing Hogan at uh, midfield, like he's about six foot four, six foot five. Like very unlucky, probably not again not to be in the county minor team. I was just going bench. to say how many how many mead minors have we uh, involved in this game? Because the one thing I noticed about the mead minors and I discussed it among the podcast was the spread of clubs. Um, so you wouldn't be talking about a huge amount of there, minors between there's these two teams. in the St. Colm Kills O'Mahony's game two and, the, and there's six panellists in the Central St. Dunhamar Ashburn match right right. Um, uh, David Carr is the third fella from Dunhamar Ashburn and in Central we have the the borrowed James O'Hare for the year so um, he's Rakenny is he yeah there's a, bit, there's, a, there's a few bits in for him I believe there's a, there's a new house going up in the middle of Kenstown <laughs> uh, we can't put me Kenstown he's from Farm and Stock yeah. the, the boom is back lads the boom is back they're building houses and everything for players and then there's also Cottle Hickey who he, he hasn't featured for the last couple of games with an injury and Joey Moore Right from Sanchston. So, so two two really good games ahead of us anyway. Two really good games. Sanchston played Donemar Ashburn in the league semi final, scraped the two eleven to two seven victory. Probably one of the toughest games they've had all year. And I wouldn't rule out Donemar Ashburn springing a surprise on Sunday. Very good, very good. And uh, is uh, one of the Finnegans uh, playing for um, for Sanchston minor team? No, no. No, no Finnegans in that team. They're all over age. And the, all next, over age. the next lads coming Quite through. Placed, are, though, <laughs> the, the next lads coming through at under twelve. So while they're promising, the minors are living. It's a step too far. From. <laughs> no problem. Well, that's the minor. Uh, I suppose looked at there now. Is there any uh, other business from the the minor county board? Uh, nothing. Too or the minor right. CCC, whichever. <laughs> No, we still deal with the same CCC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Division 2 semi-finals aren't fully nailed down yet, but I'd say when they are, we're looking at Dunshockland will probably play Walterstown and with Luke Mitchell and Matt Costello, it's very hard to see them stopped. Mm-hmm. And then Screen will be playing North Mead Gales more than likely. And um, that's the real North Mead Gales. Yeah, that's yeah. Not. <laughs> Another United Nations coefficient. <laughs> Harry Corscadden was cornerback for the Mead 16s, and Niall Finnerty from, from Mead Hill, and Niall Finnerty was corner forward from screen. And if Corscadden can hold Finnerty, oh, which really. is a task and a half, yeah. I would give North Mead Gales a right good shot. Excellent, excellent. But, um, I'd be like Kieran. I'll tip screen to win. It's a fast this game. We we just talk up one team and then pick the other one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be the done thing every week, so it does. So now we're going to move on to the previews of the championship matches coming ahead this weekend. 
So first up in our previews for next weekend is the Chocolaterrick Junior Championship Final and this takes place on Saturday at 4.30 in Park Tolchin and it sees Dumboyne taking on St. Vincent's. Um, I suppose, Kieran, um, we'll go to you first because you know feck all about junior football by the sounds of things but come by your predictions yet you know loads about it uh, you just can't pick a winner for, for loving our money in the junior championship no and, I, and I've been warned from every single club that's left <laughs> no. not to pick me don't <laughs> pick me so, so the Arcatlas last day said don't pick me and I was talking to you that's in the mind and Jerobs says whatever you do don't pick me so I don't know what I'm going to do I thought I really genuinely thought as I said that Gareth Ross and Belive will be in the final but they're not so that shows you what's yeah, wrong this might be one of the few times where Kieran actually says nothing yeah yeah <laughs> I, no, I, I doubt that I doubt that now somehow but um, I suppose uh, Dave we've talked about these two teams um, give us your take on, on, on both of these teams because where is it going to be won where is it going to be lost it's an interesting one um, because both of them are similar in the sense that they, they both have a nice blend of youth and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunboyne naturally will have that being a second team. Yeah. They're going to have lads who are coming off playing senior football for many years and guys who are going to play senior football for many years. Um, St Vincent's on the other hand, like they have that experience in the form of the Talon brothers. They're really experienced players. Um, and then the younger lads, with Ryan Handy was a member in the 20s. Um, then Richie O'Sullivan, corner forward, is an exceptional footballer as well. So... You're not going to get mixed up between the Talon brothers this two, this week. No, no. I genuinely <laughs> thought it was Davy that that uh, kicked the ball in, but Niall corrected me on that. So uh, yeah, I'll be watching out this weekend. But just on the Vincents, I mean, they've been fantastic and everything. But we talked about how how poor they've been in the last two games in the first half. Yeah. And um, they're not going to get away with that this weekend. If they're mm-hmm. if they're not at it from the word go, they're going to be better out the gate. I think. And I suppose one of the things we we picked out as well is that they finished games strong. Due to their training, due to their regime yeah. that they did, like training through the winter and the whole lot, they had that little bit extra above teams. Mm. When they come up against Dunboyne, you're talking about, I know it's youthful and experience mixed together, but more youthful mm. and fellas that are going to be going on, as you said, have aspirations of playing senior football for Dunboyne. So yeah. they will be well able to stick the pace till the end of the game. So St. Vincent's can't afford a poor start this week. No, they're going to have to... 60 minute performance it's going to have to be or it, or it won't be good enough I'm sure they'll be well aware of that too um, they're going to have to start off on the right foot and, and kick on look at if they're in the game with 10-15 minutes to go there's every chance they will nick it yeah. because I know Dunboyne are fit and they're probably training with the senior lads and everything but the Vincents physically and mentally they know that they can go 60 plus minutes and, and last the pace so it'll be an intriguing game in the sense that you know, no one, no one knows really what's going to happen with it. But I think Dunboyne with our forward line, like Jack Cox and Sean McGrath, kicked eight points between them the last day against Beliver mm-hmm. from play. Um, Jason Daly as well is an exceptional footballer, and Darren Nolan on the forty. These kind of lads, and then you have the experience of the likes of Barry Comer in midfield and David Clark. Um, so the Vincents are going to have to watch that. The last day, I think Karen Ross were probably a bit too reliant on Frank O'Reilly, and that told as the game went on. Um, this time I think Vincent's are going to have a bit more to think of you know in defence so they're going to probably have to you know keep the barricades closed they'll probably need another big performance from the goalkeeper as well in fairness he's, he he saved he made three or four great saves against Karen Ross yeah and he's another talent as well and like that they have one of them kind of all the way up the spine keeper Davies at full back Niall centre back and then Bob I think is at midfield so yeah. um, there's a line of them there and he was exceptional against Karen Ross he 
twice, I think, tonight, John Hell and Dermot McGee. Yeah. yeah, so he's probably going to have to have a big game. Dunboyne looked very good going forward against um, against Belay for the last day. They created many goal, goal scoring chances, didn't take them all, but t- took enough to, to prevail in the end. So he will have to have a big game. So, um, yeah. And Kieran, what way do you see this game, game going? You've seen a lot of these, both of these teams as well. Well, the only thing I can say for absolute certain is that St. Vincent's are going to represent me in the junior Leinster Championship. That's the only thing I can categorically say that that's official, that St. Vincent's are going to represent me in Leinster. Right, right. And, and, and that's that's as much as your... Something's going to happen now with an unmentionable <laughs> player or something in their head. No, no, because the second team's can't play. Yeah, I know, I know. And interestingly enough as well, uh, just looking down through it there as well, um, Vincent's had two players on the Hogan Stand team of the week. Um, they had Nigel Hand at uh, wing forward and they had Talon at uh, David Talon at full back. So, yeah. um, and then just looking down through it, Dunboyne have, ooh, Dunboyne have... Sean McGrath, I think, was on it. And well, they have Colin Clark at cornerback. They have uh, and Sean McGrath. Yeah, right. I, I'd imagine Colin, Colin Clark will probably pick up Richie O'Sullivan who's corner forward for the Vincents that'll be an intriguing tussle um, between them two Sean McGrath yeah was an exceptional full forward for Dunboy and he kicked four points but he's such a good ball winner as well and he brings others into play draws freeze and that um, Davy Tallon on the other hand um, was brilliant he was marking John L the last day um, did a really good job on him I think kept him to a point from play mm-hmm. so um, he's going to have a, sorry he's going to have to have another massive game um, if Vincent's are to prevail and I'm going to put your heads on the block now lads uh, I'm going to ask you for your predictions Kieran. your prediction between oh, Dumboyne and St Vincent's no? Dumboyne <laughs> and St Vincent's who are you going to well, go as, as I already said I think St Vincent's are going to play in the Leinster Championship that's me, <laughs> me, me prediction so is that your prediction that St Vincent's are going to win no I didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for a winner here oh, yes, no, I thought you just asked me what I thought that's what I, uh, yeah. well, no, no, well, no, I, no I don't I, ask you what you think because that could have for a while <laughs> I'd have to figure out what I thought first <laughs> yeah. I think and it pains me to say because I don't like to see second teams winning championships but I think St Peter's and Boyne are going to win the junior, uh, okay. junior championship I'd love yeah. to see Arcath win it from that point as an actual as a, a full club but I think they told me not to pick them, so... So did them, right? Yeah, so... <laughs> and David... They might win the senior, so we'll get... I know yeah. you've got a vested interest in this as well, being from Corton, uh, due to the permutations and combinations of winning this championship um, and uh, and whoever gets... What, what is the other part of it? If Whoever wins the Junior B as well. So uh, yeah, there's there's, um, there's a lot of things going on there for court time. Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big it's not what we're talking the, about really. It's in the <laughs> European Court of Justice thing at the moment. I think. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, who do you think is going to win the court? It is kind of head and heart as well. Um, my heart to be first St Vincent's, but I I have to go with the head and I have to say Dunboyne. Okay. I just think they have that bit more strength and depth, and I think they'll they'll end the Vincent's run. Brian Kelly. Uh, I'll book the trend I'll go with Vincent's it's gone with St Vincent's I think pride of the parish small close knit community I yeah. just think they might do it after extra time right oh that's that's an interesting one so draw full time we're going to put that in draw full time and St Vincent's in the end uh, this is a very tough one for me at the very start of the year I did say that Dunboyne I thought were going to go on and win the junior championship and they just it just happened to be that they were on the opposite side each time to St Vincent's and I was picking St Vincent's on the other side um the whole way through it and uh, I just I, I I'm 
I'm taking what Brian said into consideration there as well. Pride of the Parish. <laughs> no, but it, 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 it's it, it's true. It's a first team. It's their, the Pride of the Parish. Dunboyne's second team. It's just a hard one to call. Um, I'm I'm going to say draw full time. I'm going to say draw full time in this yeah, one. You have to say, like, the Vincent's um, have, won, have won Keegan Cups and that in the past. Like, they have a great tradition yeah. the Vincent's. And um, that might be enough. Is it? I think that's kind of where we're kind of dancing on that. We think... Dubain have the big kind of depth and strength and depth, but Vincent's have the obviously the club mentality, small club with success in their history. So I think it's their first. It's their first um, junior final in sixty or seventy years. They're in some mm-hmm. final in the late eighties. It's their sure third county junior. final in four years. Southampton yeah. beat them in the junior B final a few years ago. They won it, I think, the following year. So like they have experience of like, yeah. digging it out on the big day, and I think that just might be crucial. Yeah, and, and, and they've dug out a few results recently, so it is just a hard one to pick. Oh, look, I've gone for a draw full-time, and I, I'm going to stick with it, but I, it's hard to look by Dunboyne in this one at the same time, so mm. I'm going to say draw full-time, and, uh, and I'm not going to give a winner after full-time, because we're only doing it on the 60 minutes, yeah. but we're going to take your little prediction into account as well, uh, Brian, that you think it's going to go draw full-time, and then St Vincent's at the end of end of that. So next up on the previews uh, this week is the Mead Potato Intermediate Championship Final, and this is taking place on Sunday at 3.30 in headquarters, Park Tolchin, and uh, Longwood taking on Ballinlock. Again, uh, a couple of surprises, uh, really, um, for Kieran. I suppose. I had picked both of them the whole way through, so this is not really a surprise for me. But Kieran, uh, <laughs> I picked them in every game, bar the semi-final. <laughs> I think I picked them in every single game, bar the semi-final. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> looking at this one... Like judging by the score lines that they've put up recently, I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game. Um, myself, both of them winning by the odd point. Uh, um, in twenty five in both of the games, uh, it was thirteen points to twelve in both of their games in the semi finals. So, I suppose we go to you, David. First, <clears throat> your thoughts on this one, Longwood and and Bang Lock and. Is it going to be the Paderborn v Mickey Mickey Burke show or what? I, I, looking yeah, at I don't. I don't think I can't see them marking each other because I think Mickey Burke is an influential player for yeah. Longwood. So yeah. I think by by him picking up Paderborn, Mike. No, but is, uh, are they going to be the two players that are going to determine I, where this goes? Possibly, I think more so. Ballinlock need Paderborn to have a to have another massive game rather than Longwood having Mickey Burke to have a massive game. Yeah. I think Longwood have more, uh, far bigger spread of scorers. Yeah. I mean, I was just doing it doing a bit of a totting up thing earlier in the day and I've long would have played seven games in this year's championship they've scored I think a total of 14.98 in the seven games which is equates to about 20 points on right. the button nearly 20 points a game that's mm-hmm. what they're averaging in previous years when you played Longwood you knew it was going to be a battle you knew they were going to be ultra ultra defensive and that maybe they'd get to 10 or 12 points they've added this scoring dimension to their game the likes of Aaron Ennis Ryan Moore Mickey yeah. Burke um, Leonard there even Anthony Healy they all ship in mm-hmm. and, and they've they've sort of they're still they're still a good defensive unit don't get me wrong but they've definitely added that scoring threat that extra scoring threat Ballinock on the other hand they are they are very reliant on Paderborn naturally who wouldn't be Yeah. but I think they're going to need a bigger spread of scorers I think that I don't know who it'll be. I'd imagine it'll be either Damien Healy or Chris Lynch picking up. And they're going to need more than 10 minutes out of Patter this week. Like, yeah. And, and no, that's not taken away from him last week because, as we said on last week's podcast, you know, like a, a player of that quality, if he's tightly marked, mm. 
he just needs a couple of chances and, and he took them last week you know yeah. it was it three or four points he ended up with uh, at the end of the game yeah, last I think week. it was five or six but he he definitely kicked three or four in the last ten minutes exactly yeah so he was quiet up to then kicked a couple of frees but like you said he's going to have to be at it for a minute one in this one he's going to probably have Damien Healy or Chris Lynch dragging out of him for the game and, and that's just going to be the way it is the thing about Patter is yeah. is that Patter loves a big day and yeah. he loves a big occasion and he's a postman he loves delivering that's <laughs> it but boom, boom. And <laughs> that was, that's not one that, that's not one that we practice you're, right you're stamping your authority in the podcast <laughs> now, stop stop uh, Turn uh, drops mic and walks out um, but like this could be this this could be the perfect stage for Paderborn at the same time you yeah. know um, as you said you mentioned all those players from Longwood and they do have a great spread between Healy and Moore and um, Ennis right, yeah. and, and Mickey Burke and Mickey Burke is chipping in every, week mm. in week out with 3-4 points every game yeah. he's just consistently getting them you know he was popping in took a penalty earlier on in the yeah, year stuck yeah. it away as well you know like so they do but if, if Paderborn could go out and kick 10 points in a, in a county final I think that would be go a long way to push and and lock over the line what do you think Kieran? Yeah, I think just going from the semi-finals, looking back at them, I think Oldcastle will be more annoyed that of, of the two losers between Bandlebrack. I think they had the game maybe won, mm. and they probably fouled too much and kind of gave Paddleburn a chance to come back. So I think with McGuinness being sent off, and as two of the others, like we talked about Simon Devey before as well, like mm. they were they were letting him dominate possession, and Pader was getting his scores, and it was seemingly Oldcastle kind of maybe ceded too much possession to them. I think Longwood probably deserved the win. Like I know Bandabracky maybe had a similar, a few mistakes in that. But Longwood, I think pushed the, pushed the uh, pushed the envelope again. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a pun, but <laughs> they pushed the envelope a bit. And, uh, I'll try and stop. It's hard once you stop. Again, I wish this was recorded because we're all just cringe, <laughs> shaking our heads here. So yeah. but uh, another yeah. thing, sorry. Um, Ballinlock have the experience, like Brian was talking about with the Vincents winning the Junior B a couple of years ago. Ballinock won the intermediate as recently as 2014. Yeah. And 12 of the 15 players who lined out in the semi final played in the intermediate final in 2014. So there's only three newcomers, so to speak. Yeah. They've been there, they've done it. So Longwood, you know, it's a huge gap. I think it's 74 years since they, they competed in an intermediate final. That's right. So possibly the occasion could come into play for Longwood more so than Ballinock, who have, who have played senior football recently, who have won, you know, the Maddie McDonald. So potentially that's another reason why. And lock could prevail. Brian, what are your thoughts on this? Well, there would be Kieran might know this better than any of us from his hurling background, but there would be a number of the Longwood players who have played in a senior hurling final. Yeah, they got bet by Clast in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen, I think it was. Mm. A lot of them lads, like the two Healy's, the the Burke, the Lynches, all them lads, Ryan Moore, they were all part of the hurling like so. They're good lads. That's we said that earlier on the year, didn't we? As well, that nearly all the Longwood panel were dual players. They played both, and mm. they obviously topped the group B in the hurling, and they were doing well. They got pipped by Trimmer in the finals, or sorry, by Kiltail, who were in the final. Just shows you that they've been putting in the effort all year, and I think Longwood, I think Longwood are are going to be nailing their thirty. You know, we had this at the Path of Burn show, but I think Longwood are probably a better all round team. Yeah, I think that might be the their edge. I think on the day, mm. Ryan Moore, I think was slightly we thought it was slightly quiet in the semi final because he was been probably double marked and pressured 
I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, I think yeah. It, it, Michael Garrity, who's Ballinock captain, he'll be centre-back. He'll, I'd imagine he'll pick up Ryan Moore. Mm-hmm. That'll be another really, really good tussle uh, between them because Ryan Moore had his fill of it the last day with Derek Flynn from Balnebracchi. So I'd expect nothing different. Um, Brian Dunne, who's meticulous in his preparations. I was he, just going to say, this is go- this could come down to a battle of the managers and yeah. the tactics mm. and getting the matchups right. Yeah, definitely, um, yeah. Uh, I think the, the likes of Brian Dunne, who he got his... He got his you know his his tussles or his um how, how say, his matchup spot on the last day. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it'll come down to that. Um, who who will pick up Heatherburn? That could be the difference. You know, mm. if if they get it right, if Longwood can get that right, I think they could come out the right end of it as well. So we're going to go on to the predictions. Then we're going to go to Kieran first. Longwood or Ballinlock? I think unfortunately this is the end the end of the route for for Heatherburn. It's going to be Longwood. Mickey Burke's Longwood. Longwood. Even though it's actually Joey Sensen the captain. I think he's still, Mickey Burke's still the leader though. <laughs> Even though Joey Sensen is the captain. <laughs> Jamie? Yeah, I hate to be agreeing with Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? And I'm going I'm to be killed the next night I go out and Kells. There'll be falling lock lads waiting at the door for me. But I'm going to say Longwood as well. Brian, I think Mickey Burke will conduct the orchestra and Longwood will win by three or four points. Oh, he's even given us a, a, a margin as well. <laughs> like so he is. Well, I'm going to book the trend, lads. I think that we're going to get. Uh, I think we're going to get a Pat O'Byrne show. Pat I think it's yeah. going to be. There's going to be no show like a Pat show. Um, <laughs> and is, did McGuinness appeal his red card? I didn't actually hear it from that. He did appeal it. I, I didn't hear. I didn't hear the result. That'll be an interesting one for the for the Twitter. Mm. If you hear that or when that's announced or. Because obviously he's won the, the centre forward. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might have a checkered pass, though. I think it's not his first <laughs> rendezvous with the the CCC. You know? <laughs> I, th- I think he, I think he has a good case behind him. I think he has the right sort of individuals going in with him. Yeah. Say. So he has a good chance. Is he Joe Brawley going in? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, that's the I don't know. Would that be a good or bad thing? <laughs> that's the next piece. The Herons Committee. That's the next level of the, the whole disciplinary process. We can have a whole podcast, and that should be. Blue in the face, be like the European Union, it'd be Brexit or something. I'd say we'll probably lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we want to keep people. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, so. I think I, I'd leave after half of it. So. Well, that's the Mead Potato Intermediate Championship preview. And uh, again, get out and support these teams, both the junior and intermediate championships taking place Saturday and Sunday. They're going to be fantastic games. Um, novel pairings in all of them as well, which is absolutely brilliant to see. And it's going to be, I'd say, Park Tolchin is going to be heaving now on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and we're going to move up forward now to the Ferry Steel Senior Championship semi-finals that take place this weekend. Both of them are curtain raisers to the junior and intermediate final. And on Saturday, Simonstown take on Dunboyne at 3 p.m. in Park Tolchin. And um, I'm going to stay well clear of this one, but I'm going to let you have a wee chat about it. So I'll go to Davy first. Davy, Dunboyne and Simonstown. Yeah, looking forward to this. Um, I know Dunboyne got a bit of revenge earlier on in the group stages for for last year's. Um, I don't, I don't even know what you could call it, collapse or... But in fairness, it was a terrific comeback from Simonson. I think it was quarter-final last year. Yeah. Um, and it was, a, it, was, it was an absolutely stunning game of football. Um, and it, it wasn't as if... It, collapse is probably harsh on Dunboyne because they didn't, they didn't collapse and they didn't stop playing. They kept, they kept getting scores. Lenihan was very good second half, but Simonson's comeback that day from the dead was just was incredible. It was Lazarus-like. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think this is going to be a cracking game. I think you're looking probably on paper at the two best teams in County Mead clashing. Um, Simonstown are going for three in a row and the seam, we talked about peaking and peaking three times, but they seem to be just about peaking at the right time of the year again. 
Um, they have a knack of doing it like the last day they were outstanding against screen a screen team who were favourites with the bookies to beat them. They they made a show with them odds. Um, without the likes likes of Crouchy, who was only a sub, Shane Gallagher didn't start, yeah. injured. Um, and Nathan Nathan O'Brien just back from America too. The luxury they have of bringing in players like Andrew Carney, who who didn't play the last couple of years, came in. I think he kicked five points from play the last That's day. Right, yeah. Ben Hoey outstanding as well. Um, so Dunboyne on the other hand, they've been going well without setting the world alight. They were probably perhaps going better early in or earlier on in the year, April time. They were they were clocking up some impressive tallies, but they were really tested against Kells, um, in the sense that Kells really made a game of it. Dunboyne deserved to win the game. But Kells got extra time out of it, actually had a chance to win it. Um, but Dunboyne prevailed. The likes of Donald Lennon, we, sp- we speak about all the time. Um, Robbie McCarthy as well. Them two players are going to cause Simon St. Reid problems. Ronan Jones as well, back from America. Yeah, Ronan Jones is a huge player. We, we talked about him here last week on the podcast, you know, potentially being a, a future Mead star, hopefully. Um, you have the Shane McEntee as well, county panellists. And um, the other one is cornerback. Lavin, Seamus Lavin, yeah, and McCoy as well. Yeah, McCoy was, was on the well. panel, yeah, as well. So they they have that kind of experience and that class. So it'll be interesting to see will that tell. Simon Stone have the likes of Sean Tobin, Parag McKeever. These guys have been doing it for the last two or three years, and they know how it's done. Um, I can't wait for this. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Kieran, what's your thoughts on this one? Echoing many of the points David made, we're, we're agreeing on that tonight, which is dangerous the game altogether. But I mean, like it's going to be a big game. I thought the the Gale column killed Dunboyne game. It just showed kind of maybe a bit of a steely side of Dunboyne because they seemed to be Kells were bringing a kind of ferocity to the game, and Dunboyne were struggling. And then all of a sudden, Dunboyne kind of changed a bit of their attack, and they kind of went at them, kicked the ball in the corners. It was very windy and Dunshockland that night. And, they seem to show maybe a different uh, edge to their Side game. To them, yeah. yeah, and it's just like Kells bring kind of the, this kind of tough game that they bring in. Maybe Simonson won't bring as tough a game, not to say that they're not tough men, but they'll bring a lot more skillful approach and be interested to see what kind of angle Dunboyne come at. But they've got lads like David Gallagher in the middle of the field, like like the kickouts could be interesting to see how Robbie Burlingham mm. and uh, the Dunboyne go to what's the Dunboyne? Keen Flynn. Flynn, how the two boys get on with the distribution. It's always like it's always one of these buzzwords in the Gaelic games now is kick out strategies we've seen who gets retaining the possession yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> who's going to win the first first hand possession who's going to win the breaks and that'll dictate a lot of the I success think, I think another thing is actually the, the, the wing backs we talk about them a lot for Simonstown yeah um, Squealer Kane and Brian McGrath I think they're probably going to have to defend a little bit more than they have been doing mm-hmm. and I think if they do go bombing forward and Dunboyne can manage to overturn there will be chances there to get at Simonstown so it'll be interesting to see can they exploit the gaps that maybe them lads might leave if they go bombing forward. So yeah, Brian. I think when they played in the league, in the championship earlier in the year in Trim, it was a game that Dunboyne had to win more than Simonson, having lost in the quarter final for the previous two years to Simonson. It was a monkey that had to get off their back. David Gallagher lauded the midfield exchanges that day, like if he was. 15 years younger you'd be looking at him as a county midfielder <laughs> even five <laughs> even a year <laughs> well we talked about Ollie Murphy like, and he, he, he's, too, he's too busy guarding the goals for me yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> looking at like looking at it that day you'd be very concerned from Simonson's point of view that he dominated midfield to that extent yeah. and no Shane O'Rourke and no Connor Nash but they seem to have adapted Sean Tobin going out to midfield against Simonstown 
Now, he wouldn't be our typical midfielder, but it just seems to have done the trick that day. Can mm. he repeat? Can he repeat it two weeks later, three weeks later? It's a it's a different task. Yeah. Because Galley is Galley. Ronan Jones is a huge addition to have back. Like Galler will hold the middle of the field, but Jones will be up and down. He's an athlete. He's he's just he's potentially the best midfielder we'd have had in the last fifteen years, give or take. Because he can he's mobile, he's a good fielder, he can take a score. Mm-hmm. Like he he's just he's an excellent prospect. Then you throw in Dunbine have added a bit of youth into the team from the last few years. Sean Ryan and Liam Bourne, who are in the meet under seventeens last year, that won the Leinster Special Championship. They're two fine prospects. Mm-hmm. And that bit of freshness, like they've added that, Simonson have added in a couple that high chap and, and Carney. Carney, like they're probably the two teams with the most amount of depth in the county. Right. And I it could it's been the game of the year for the last two years and I can see it mm. hopefully it'll live up to its billing now on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well that game taking place on Saturday at three PM and for anybody who wants to see the best warming up ever done in your life, come I'll be there from three o'clock <laughs> until about half four warming up, as always, on the side of the pitch, doing my little thing and maybe throwing in a few shouts at the referee. Burning the ears off here and playing <laughs> in the dugout. That that poor lines one. <laughs> Yeah, but lads, I'm going to go for your predictions now. I'm going to start with Kieran again. Uh, no, we'll start with you this time, Brian. Um, Brian, Simon Sundin, Saturday I, at 3 p.m. I've tipped on Brian from the beginning of the year. I can't get off that horse at this stage. Grand. So the door is over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David. That, that's why I'm the only one out to cup of tea in front of you. <laughs> no, that's because you were late. <laughs> David. Um, like I said, I think Simon Sound are just getting going at the right time. They're just hitting top gear at the right time. Dunboyne might have might have peaked a bit too soon. So for me, I'm going to go for Simon Dunboyne. Sound to maintain. <laughs> well, that's Kieran. You want to say that? <laughs> Simon Sound for me. Simon Sound for me. And uh, Kieran, well, I was only thinking this purely for myself selfish reason. Never mind the football. If I pick Dunboyne and they win. Like it means I'm right or whatever, but I, I I do like over the last few months we've kind of got fond of each other now, and I hope that you do well and <laughs> win the championship and all the same as So I'm still I'm picking them boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, now that Kieran has gone for the bike, can I retract? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm why I'd only go first. I, I'll I'll disclose who I who I predicted next week on yeah. next week's podcast. There's some crackers <laughs> so moving forward then to Sunday uh, at one forty-five, Summerhill taking on Dunamore Ashburn this is the uh, curtain raiser to Longwood and Ballinlock in the intermediate final Summerhill and Dunamore Ashburn last year's beaten finalists against 2016's uh, beaten finalists Dunamore Ashburn 2016 were beaten and Summerhill last year were beaten by Simonstown um, this this uh, for me has, is a is, has the bill has the potential to be a cracking game of football as well. Both teams with something to prove, with a point, with a, a huge point to prove, and are also you know uh, hurt from the last two years uh, losing uh, the the championship final. So, um, Kieran, Summerhill, Dunmore, Ashburn, which way is this going to go? Yeah, I think I agree. Where's going to be won and lost? It's going to be very intriguing because said you have both teams have recent pedigree county final day. Uh, both have tradition in recent years. Obviously, Summerhill are probably a longer tradition overall. But in the last 10 or so years, they've been very much premier teams in the Championship. I think uh, it'd be interesting to see what approach Dunham or Ashburn bring because 
they brought a very defensive approach to play retort the last day. And I, I think Summerhill are, are kind of a kind of bit more uh, open a team maybe than even retort. Retort kind of had a kind of a style and a system as well. So it'll be interesting. Will Dunmore go toe to toe at Summerhill, or will they go all behind the ball again? Because I think Summerhill, Summerhill have decent players and likes of Barry Dardis and these as inside yeah. forwards and and um, Dalton and these lads who can score. It'd be interesting maybe to see how the Dunmore Ashburn forwards do like a Tormy. Because maybe the Summerhills, maybe only a potential weakness is maybe the speed of the inside backs. They're not the fastest back line. They're very strong to win the ball. Dunmore the Ashburns? No, the Summerhill, like here to okay. Hughes. And they're, they're really strong men, but it maybe a fast player might get on them. So it'd be interesting to see. It's, it's going to be very tight, I think. I think Summerhills, maybe the fact that they're in the county final last year, I think they might just slightly edge Dunmore Ashburn. Like Larkin played so well the last day and... Well, I like the I like the way Dunmore Ashburn set up. They're big down the middle, yeah. Um, you know, and then they've got the fast, uh, speedy speed merchants on the wings, and mm. you know they've got Colum Umwelloch uh, there at centre back, yeah. and he just holds that position. Mm. Very good at getting up the field and mm. getting a score as well when yeah. needed, you know. And he's well able man, to attack. Hurling man, you know, a good hurling man. Yeah, yeah, yeah a so jewel star. Yeah, you have to. Uh, Any time there's a hurler involved, you got to plug them as much as possible. But uh, I just find that this, this, this for me is a really hard game to call. Davy, what way do you see this going? I see it similar to Kieran does. Um, I think Dunham Ashburn brought a real defensive sort of negative approach. The retort came. Now, we talked about the weather and the conditions that day and it probably suited that. But was it a matter of just, it was win at all costs? Yeah, and, and, and look, I wouldn't be pointing the finger at Dunham or Ashburn accusing them of being overly defensive. I thought, I thought Ratoth let them dictate the, the pace of the game and the way in which the game was, was played. It was up to Ratoth to actually buck the trend. Well, Ratoth had beaten Dunham or Ashburn twice or three times yeah, this year and, and already look, you'll, you'll, and had given them tight hammerings mm. so Dunmore Ashburn had learned from, from from previous games or the previous game and said well that's not going to happen again like you know yeah. so as you said you have to you have to play with what you have exactly and, and it, look at it they got through it and as you said win at all costs and that's what they did now this weekend I don't think 1-9 is going to be enough against this Summerhill team No, I do think they're going to have to come out and, and have a bit more of a go I think Tormy was quite isolated particularly at times in the second half um, when they struggled to get the ball in and in the end they were really hanging on after Joey Wallace got that goal Summerhill have such a such a plethora of forwards mm-hmm. the the two Dalton brothers they yeah. lost Conor Frayne like who was absolutely flying in this championship um, he's been replaced by Sean Dalton who's been exceptional in recent games you add in the likes of David Lark and Barry Dardis who's been absolutely outstanding all year yeah. um, I rem- the first time I've seen Summerhill this year was against Screen it was in Buttermean and it was the second round. And I think they were coming off the back of a heavy defeat against Kells in the opening round. And since they haven't looked back, they're clocking up huge scores, playing some absolutely fantastic football as well. Yeah, the half-forward line is absolutely brilliant. It's the die for And, and yeah. Larkin is probably playing as well as he ever has, even yeah. when he was on the Mead team. Um, he's been outstanding uh, as Barry Dardis. We look, we've talked about them, but I do think Ashburn are going to have to come out and play a little bit more. I don't think 1-9... They're going to have to score more than that to beat the Summerhill team. They have too much going forward. Are they relying too much on Tormy to get their scores? Yeah, possibly. But look, at again, it, it, it's sort of like Ballinock with Paderborn. When you yeah. have a player of that calibre you know, in your team, you're going to use him as much as you can. And you're going to try and play around him or you know, fit your game plan to his strengths. Um, we talked about him. Look, at he's coming back from, from, a, from a long layoff and he's... He's probably not the fittest, but he has such a good football brain. Yeah. Um, he knows how to use his body. He knows 
if, if, if there's a wet ball he'll stand a couple of yards back or to the side and he'll just use every bit of experience he has so look he's their main man um, but they will they will need other lads chipping in definitely if they're yeah. going to beat the Summerhill team they'll need a few more takeaways apart from Nando's just to win <laughs> that uh, uh, semi-final against Summerhill um, Brian looking at this game uh, yourself where do you think this is going to be won and lost between Summerhill and Dunham or Ashburn I think one big advantage Dunham or Ashburn have is they have a very reliable free taker from both the right and the left Gilligan is it Gilligan coming up from mm-hmm. ha- from wing back, back yeah. like anything inside 40 metres 45 metres he's just lethal off the left peg mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Tormey off the right foot like if you have two good free takers they're 7 or 8 points on, a, on average in any club match that you have registered straight away. So that to me is a huge addition. Yeah. The two McGoverns who spent the summer in America, they're home now. They had a good outing against our tote. I think the next three weeks training is going to have brought them on another 20, 30%, which like, they're two fine footballers, two previous under 21s, two potential candidates to be called in by Andy McIntyre now when the championship is finished. On the other hand, Summerhill have possibly some of the best forwards in the county. Mm-hmm. Shawnee Dalton is yeah. a really tidy operator. Davy Larkin is, well, he's, he's always reliable for two or three, at least two or three points a game. Paul Larkin is home from Australia now. Like He's a really good forward. He's a great option to have coming off the bench. That kind of, to me, that counteracts the loss of Connor Frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's got the bit of experience as well. He's been there. He's been around the block a few times. But you have to remember that it's only 2013 since uh, since Summerhill last mm. won a senior championship, you know, like so. Yeah. But there's been a look. There's been they've lost even from last year. I think uh, Brian Ennis has gone to Castle Rahan. Yeah. And Richie Hatton, who was captain last year, has retired since. So them two boys are a big a big loss to any team, but especially a, a club like Summerhill. Um, the area when you look at the four clubs left in the senior championship, you're talking about three urban areas. Summerhill are don't get me wrong, they're a big enough area. Yeah. But they're different in the sense that they're kind of a, a more rural country club. Um, so they deserve immense credit for what they've been doing for the last decade. Mm-hmm. Plus, it, it's, it really is a, a terrific achievement to keep coming back year on year. Well, it's time to put the heads on the block once again. Uh, we're going to go to David first in this one. Summerhill or Dunmore Ashburn? Summerhill, I think, comfortably enough. Oh, comfortably as well. <laughs> We'll give you time to think here, right? So I'm gonna to go to Brian first, right? So you, you, you just have a little I think. Have, I'm set up prayer here. You have a little think about this, right? Prayer to St. Anthony, <laughs> prayer to St. Anthony to help me find the right result. <laughs> Brian. Summerhill are excellent going forward. I'm concerned about them defensively. St. Colin Kills opened them up a good few times in the quarter final. If they can tighten up defensively, Summerhill will win it by Five to ten points. God, he's given a big margin. Well, I wouldn't put a score. It's hard enough predicting the right ones at all. <laughs> 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 okay, if, you're gonna, if you're going to be hung for sheep, like, yeah. <laughs> now, Kieran, right, you've heard what the two lads have had right, to I'm say. I'm just thinking about what to say. Right? <laughs> uh, well, I suppose now when I start talking up one team and pick the other, I just I just get to <laughs> it. Generally, it. Yeah, I just get to it. Really. <laughs> at some stage, you're gonna you're gonna have predicted both of them throughout this little conversation. Yeah, so, again, so. so just make sure you edit me favourably. I did say already, I think Summerhill are the team to beat. So I don't think Dunamore will have enough. So I think Summerhill. Summerhill. Well, actually, I, I think, I feel myself that this one is harder to call than yous do. Um, yous, yous seem to think that Summerhill, uh, look, I know the quality that Summerhill have and, and the amount of good forwards that they have playing. Um, I think that Dunamore Ashburn, 
were able to stop the two Wallaces and Brian McMahon um, for, for a tote and did it fairly well, you know. Uh, I'm actually going to go for a draw at full time in this one as well. Um, it is... It, it, I love a draw, yeah, but like... <laughs> there's there's no weekend of football that goes by that there's not a draw in, so, you know... <laughs> He's the man with the most very splinters in his back, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I just have a feeling that that one is going to be, be a draw at full time. There is extra time in all these yeah. games. Yeah. There, um, the only thing so I'm worried about is that we kind of all went, the three of us kind of went similar enough and Mickey's kind of went off. So Mickey's going to have could one of the best one week. Or another. Next yeah, week yeah. he could be literally like the cat that got the cream <laughs> or we could be having a great podcast next week. My <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Or or I'll I, I, I bring the cancel. Yeah, if yeah. I'm wrong, I just won't be here next week. Yeah. <laughs> or the podcast could be cancelled next week. It could be the best my week. Results. It could be the worst week from my perspective. You know? <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst <laughs> of times, Kieran. Um, so that's uh, the three main championships, I suppose. But then there is another big championship uh, final taking place on the weekend and that's the Junior B uh, Championship final. That's Sunday at 12am in um, uh, Park Tolchin. Um, that's the Curtain Razor to the Simonstown, or sorry, the Summerhill Dunham Ashburn game which is the Curtain Razor to the Intermediate final. Um, and that season, Afian had taken on Slane. Slane, who last week we discussed were taking on Kilbride and, and lads, you used thought that Kilbride were going to win that one. Um, and don't think we easy. actually officially predicted. We that, didn't no. officially Just predict for the record, that was. was and, and of course, you said that Slane would win, Mickey. I had a feeling that Slane would win, and 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 you do this to me all the time, so I took the uh, liberty of recording <laughs> our conversation. So I'll have to I'll have to pull that out of last week's um, podcast. But um, Slane got the win here, lads. Um, see themselves through to a, a final against Nafina. Um, we played in the FINA with the Junior Bs in Simonstown earlier on this year in the first round of that championship and you know they've got Queenie playing and they've got a few of the uh, ex-senior lads Lewis, I think the two Dean, Dean, Dean Hendrick Dean as well, Hendrick yeah. as well yeah they've got a few of the ex-senior players Jimmy playing didn't come back they're, no. actually, they're actually a really really exciting side to watch I just I'm not sure that they'll have enough for slaying they have a lot of miles on the clock, mm. but they can they can clock up scores really quickly. That's well, the one thing about Nafina. Yeah, I think three of them, the three boys that were after mentioning, played in they lost to Matties in the county final twenty fifteen. Yeah, do you know on these three three years later, these lads are playing junior B final. Um, you're right; they're probably limited in what they have. However, they were knocked out of the championship quite early first team, yeah. which which obviously benefited them. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying these lads might have been or might not have been used. We don't know. That's just speculating. But they have that real good core of experienced um, players there. Slane, on the other hand, look at, I don't think it was just Kieran and myself who, who predicted Kilbride to win the game, let alone the championship. Everyone was kind of confident. They came unstuck at the weekend. Probably Kilbride maybe just need another year or two. A lot of young lads in the team. Yeah. Um, but for Slane, look at their, their, their sleeping giant. They're a big town team. I, I tend to think that with the problem with Slane is that the pitch I was just going to say it's so far out of town it's it's crazy how far outside the village it is and like that's grand for lads living out that area but if you've guys young lads especially living in the town and if the pitch and not to take away from it because it's a fantastic pitch and setup that they have out there um, past but you're you're nearly in Drogheda yeah I was just going to say you could be called Drogheda Gales there Tully Allen is only across the river there it's only like 500 metres and and like you have you have clubs on that 
kind of Ashburn Road. I won't I won't mention some of them, but you know who you are. Um, <laughs> could potentially be looking at the likes of you know they have Owen Gibbs, Ian Mooney. Th- these two boys played mid underage, and Podge McGowan, who we talked about, just just back off a long layoff from injury. Them three lads would walk onto most clubs in, in County Mead, mm-hmm. so they're definitely a sleeping giant. They'll feel it's it's their time. And now is their time. They've got the they've got the big result against Kilbride. I was looking at pictures on Facebook, and and the way in which they celebrated the semi final win over the weekend. So it it clearly means a lot to them. Yeah. But they really need to get out of Junior B. I think they've been in it for far too long. Absolutely. Club with yeah. the size of Slane. Yeah. And, and 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 going back to the pitch, that pitch used to be in the town. It's mm. it's not it even that be, long enough. It's up by the Slane Wanderers soccer team. Yeah. Up behind, yeah, the, up behind the there. Yeah. But these had a lot of uh, vandalism and stuff. I think they suffered mm. a lot of financial strain on the old pitch. But they were going well back then. Yeah, you they know were intermediate. Yeah. For it, was, it was a strange move. Um, and it definitely and even the soccer we talked about it there. You know, lads, if a young lad is, is is seven or eight years of age and he's living five minutes from the soccer pitch, but maybe a five, ten minute drive from the Gaelic pitch. And he needs a lift or something. Yeah, like and or he could walk to train and it's, it's a no-brainer. Well, hey, <laughs> I was just wondering <laughs> who was going to be the first to use it this week. Balloons are after coming out of the ceiling Mickey, here. Mickey was there. He was like, oh, I can see it now. Someone else is after saying it. But, uh, no, like... It probably does have a, have a have a factor with with young lads playing soccer in Gaelic and look at I think it'd be great for Slane if they could if they could win the final and get out of Junior B I think it'd be good for everyone it would like and and uh, you know, <laughs> success <laughs> success breeds success and we we mentioned a couple of uh, uh, teams earlier on that I meant to actually uh, say that about as well um like like Trim for instance with the hurling you know like uh, it. it if they've gone to a final now, that's only going to bring more and more players. Simon's in the last few years. Our numbers at underage level has has really risen, and uh, our underage uh, teams are getting relative success, and they're moving up through the ranks and stuff. So, if Slane were able to get the victory here, it's only going to entice more kids out to that pitch that we say ourselves. Look, that. Uh, I don't think Slane are going to take uh, take on board what we're saying, um, but like hopefully if they can get a victory in this well, junior yeah, B championship. An interesting one that just when we spoke with underage and teams combining and stuff, they've actually had thankfully the opposite. They were brewing the bunya for a long time mm. with St Mary's, and actually over the last ten years they've actually moved away. Thankfully, because the Marys moved away as well, like it wasn't that one club is doing poorly. Both clubs have great juvenile structure at the moment, and they're getting they're both playing two team football under twelve. They're twenty five kids playing under twelve, so. That's something for them that's boding well, that they're not actually dwindling in membership, they're increasing the membership for both clubs. Yeah, so Slane will want to win this year and some areas will be coming up hopefully in the ranks the next absolutely. year Absolutely. Um, look, we're going we're gonna to do a prediction on this um, as well. Um, it'd be unfair not to. Um, so I'll go first on this one and I'm going to say Slane are going to win this one. I know that uh, Nafeen are good um, and they've got great experience, but I think the heart is going to uh, rule the head here. Slane have great young fellas coming through as well and I think they're... Their need is greater than the Fianna's and you'll see that coming out in that junior final, junior B final. Um, Brian, what do you think? I'm always wary of a team with a cause. Slane, I think, this year are playing in memory of um, a great Gael who, who passed away during the year, uh, Oliver Harding. Mm-hmm. And I just think when you have something like that driving you on, it can be the little bit that pushes you over the line. And with Podge McGowan on his comeback from injury, I think they might just spark off great celebrations in the village. And hopefully, back in the 90s, they were senior. It'd 
be great to see them getting back to the higher echelons of mead football again. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to go to David then. Can Slain exit night? Enter light. <laughs> Does anyone see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cringing again. Yeah. Uh, I thought the postman ones were bad. <laughs> I, I'm gonna no, I, I I'm after talking up slam, but I, I think Nafina I think Nafina'll have too much for them. Um that experience again and they have they have a host of players who are actually playing that other game, uh, what's it called? Hurling. <laughs> uh, in the intermediate hurling final, yeah. so they've been, been training. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like say Sean Coffey and Slevin and that. So they're just two. There's five or six of them on both. So they'll probably be looking. Their their um, incentive will probably be for a double success. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go for Nafina. Okay, and so you pulled up my heartstrings there because I, I was going to go for Slane wholeheartedly, but when you mentioned the hurling, <laughs> the hurling just kind of pulled me across as if my heartstrings were being pulled on, by the hurling. <laughs> and I think, I, and then I was, really, I was only thinking as well about my own future on that old county board thing. I was thinking, Jim Mullery is the county treasurer and he yeah. pays a lot of my bills for the for programmes and etc. So I need to keep him sweet. So we'll go with Slane. And sorry to all the hurlers in the Vena. Making sound lads. For and you. the footballers. Three, oh, no, the, mind them. <laughs> Three of us have gone for Slane and then there's the one lad uh, just out there on his own, David Rispin, going for Nafina. So lads, that's all of the championship previews and uh, obviously the talk of the... Uh, the, the, the reviews I suppose of the Hurling Championship from, from last weekend the semi-finals just a couple of things that I said we'd talk about on this week's podcast I suppose it's our neighbours uh, Monaghan um, Mahara Clunes football pitch disappeared into the ground uh, uh, over the weekend and I just said I'd, I'd throw that out there I know that um, uh, David you're working up there on the border of uh, uh, Monaghan in, in, in Kingscourt yeah. so you'd know a few lads from up around the direction of Matter of Clune. yeah I actually I wasn't talking to them today and I'll probably see them tomorrow so I'll have an update for you for the podcast next week but um, <laughs> no they were actually bet at the weekend in the Monaghan Senior Football Championship semi-final against Scottstown so they'll probably be relieved in a sense that they're actually out of the championship and this has happened now yeah. because I can't imagine what training would have been like for a county <laughs> final when you have big lumps and ridges out of the pitch so Bring, um, it brings a new use to cones yeah, so it does absolutely but <laughs> avoid that area where the cones are it's a it's a funny one it, you know a mine a mine kind of collapsed or whatever could you imagine it here if, if tara mines had a taking big lumps out of simonson or having a manny's pitches to be absolutely uproar well i'd say they could, they could, they could go out as far as bartry and and out to carton and, and st dalton's as well because yeah, uh, probably, in fairness tara mines goes so far outside there. yeah they'd, they'd probably clear out half of me that with clubs yeah. if, if it did happen but um Park Tolchin. <gasps> That, that, that hopefully, might, hopefully, that yeah. might hasten any adult uh, combination of Ultons and Cartown games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping yeah, that the money be good if they knock down Bart Ultons. So yeah, if you yeah. know any in the works on Terra Mines, if you like the, <laughs> like the fuse under the county board, as they say. <laughs> under the county board or CCC? Under well, the county board in this case would be the whole thing. I was only thinking, nobody asked about the Maharaklun miners, I thought, that's what I was thinking, we were talking about all the mines, I was thinking, who's asking about the miners? Yeah, and, and one of our own, Dudley Farrell, is out there managing them as that's well, right, so... Yeah. Uh, Not the mine, the football team. No, no, Dudley was probably costing them enough money as it was, but now they're going to have an extra bit of a, an expense on them. So it's going to bring out a new... It'll hasten the, actually they're in the process of being bought out of their football pitch, and having a new pitch done for them by, by Gypsum or Gyprock, so... 
it might just quicken up that process. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, and uh, it'll bring uh, it'll bring a, a, a new meaning as well to the Maher Clune miners, as you That's were just pointing out. Hopefully, the deal doesn't fall through. As <laughs> <laughs> and then one other thing that I just want to bring up as well, lads. It's literally it's breaking news. It's just after coming out an exclusive there from RTE. JP McManus donates one hundred thousand to every GEA county board uh, to distribute amongst their clubs. JP McManus has donated a hundred thousand euro to every Gaelic Games county board in Ireland to be divided equally among their local clubs. The 3.2 million gesture has been made on the back of Limerick's All-Ireland Hurland Championship win this year. McManus has been the main sponsor of uh, Limerick GEA for years and is heavily involved in, in, uh, in sport, including horse racing and the upcoming JP McManus Pro-Am at Adair Manor in 2020. But that's just uh, the, the first couple of lines of that, lads. We, were, we just sat down to do the podcast and I got a notification on my phone from RTE um, and... It just, first of all, we thought it was a, it was a joke, and then when we delved into it and realised, it's a, it's a hell of a gesture from, um, from JP McManus, Davy. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, every club in the in the country will be rubbing their hands together this evening at that. Look, at, he he gives so much to the GA and Limerick especially. Um, I know when when they when they won the hurling this year, he was he was in the dressing room after the game and he was singing songs and that. And and the players and the county board in in Limerick appreciate all that all that he does for them and for hurling in in Limerick. But it's a mighty mighty sound gesture now. In fairness to JP for for every club, look at three point two million is a colossal amount of money, um, to be distributed between every club in in the country. Um, yeah. I think it's fantastic. So. Kieran, from the county board perspective, um, obviously this is not going to be an official line. <laughs> the money, said, the money was just resting. In there, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like a hundred thousand for every county board. Um, we discussed it beforehand. Like most clubs in Mead, pay a levy towards the county board, and I was just threw it out there that like you know if the county board were to take that and keep it, it, it would as the levy from each club, but every club would have to pay a little bit, but. It just means that there's, you know, less pressure on 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 on, uh, on clubs with this investment from from JP McManus. No, absolutely, and I think it'd be a godsend for for the county board and for the clubs because that's the thing when we mentioned that that is what the county board is supposed to actually be. It is actually the fifty nine delegates from one from each club and the sixteen or so on the management. That is that that infamous piece, as I said a few times, but. I think I don't know. I what I I'd be suggesting is I would like to think maybe clubs might say, actually let's throw the hundred grand into the partition draw straight away and, and keep the levy because the levy was actually there recently. They voted to keep that separate to partition and keep it going to keep Dungani going and keep the county teams going. So I'd actually love to see just the hundred grand going straight into the partition fund because that's that's what we're asking every club to buy tickets. I don't know, maybe buy a heap of tickets in the draw. We might win the we might win the houses back. Could, that could be one. You could put two thousand each on a on a few tickets. But that's definitely not the official word. And Brian, uh, yeah. number eleven, number just, eleven. Just to, just to let you know, it's not unusual for the people holding the draw yeah. to win the draw. Yeah. Number eleven, especially when we won the grand tickets. But, but Brian, I um, like to distance myself from any of Kieran's comments. Well, so would I. Just on this hundred thousand euro. Uh, to every GA county board from from JP McManus, what, where do you see or what way do you see it um, being distrib- distributed uh, amongst the clubs? Because it works out at maybe about eighteen hundred euro per club, or do you suggest that maybe get the hundred thousand and uh, put it on uh, J- one of JP McManus's horses in a race and try and double it or treble well, it? Simon said, <laughs> <laughs> no, "Don't do that." 
Thanks, David. Mike. I think the clubs could do worse than look at Kieran Flynn's predictions, see who he hasn't tipped to win, and do, do it on a cumulator. Hundred k Well, that's like, absolutely. And you had to Kieran Flynn stand then. You had to get that in. money at three o'clock today. So if you don't have it at three, at three o'clock on Sunday evening, sure, what's the difference? <laughs> there was. I was going to finish it on that, but it, because it was excellent, it was perfect. So it was. But we have one other thing. There was a David. There was a Dublin game you wanted to just uh, mention as well uh, yeah. a championship match what was the story there? Uh, St Anne's and Nave Marno Marno yeah exactly um, what happened? so the, the video was going around I think it was Balls.ie or, or Joe.ie or one of them today um, it was it was a team that were trying to wind down the clock they'd actually just scored a penalty to go two points up deep into injury time from the resulting kick out there was cynical play going on throughout the game, seemingly, but the video just captured the last couple of minutes of the of the contest, and the penalty was stuck away anyway. And the kick out was kicked out, um, and and won well by by the team who were two points up at the time, and he, he took his time. A guy actually beside him went down with cramp or cramp, probably, you know. Yeah. Games, gamesmanship. Gamesmanship is right. <laughs> so he went down Game anyway. Management and, is what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mickey would know about that. <laughs> All the dark as, as we've too. said, he's just old. That's all that is. <laughs> he's just struggling. Everything just takes that bit. If I go down, there's a reason. <laughs> My hip is out of place or something. <laughs> but but he, he took his time anyway, and and instead of going forward, probably the natural thing to do would be have a have a kick at the post. Even I know you can't score directly from a marker, don't think. But kick it wide or kick it out to the sideline, or, or even go short. There was a couple of short options on, but what he did is he he kicked it about sixty yards back towards his own goal. Um, and it looked like there was a strong breeze. The ball carried anyway, and it looked as if you know you'd imagine the fullback was going to be there to take it quite comfortably and just mess around with the keeper. But he kicked it into a crowd of players, one of which was the goalkeeper, who actually left his goal line and came out to the twenty-one yard line, made a complete balls of it. <laughs> <laughs> the ball spilled, and uh, I, I don't know the guy's name. Baldy chap um, took the ball away. We'll go with Baldy chap as his name. Yeah. <laughs> Pulled out to the right, really cute angle, and, and chipped this delicate shot, and it just bounced beautifully into the top corner. <laughs> and the and the whistle was the final whistle was blown, and um, they they ended up losing by a point. Just, after justice was served, was it? Justice was done, and, and like karma's a bitch, as they say. Now, look, there was a few facets to it. I don't know why he was going sixty yards back into into a you know it was a hospital ball in every sense of the word and why the goalkeeper was coming out 20 yards to get involved when all he had to do was mine his goal line um, anything but a goal and they were true or they were, you know so they were kind of going against like what was it Jack Charlton always said you can't score in your own half wasn't it kind of <laughs> and very much the opposite way kicking it towards your goal is not exactly the most no, clever exactly. you put him under pressure just not yourself you <laughs> put him under pressure <laughs> yeah just not your own goal so, so look that up on Twitter anyway folks uh, or on Facebook you'll find that um, if you want to have a little giggle at uh, uh, what happened in that game but there's <clears throat> And something I don't want to dwell on because we talked about the bad press the GA is getting in recent times, but another melee on the weekend in Derry uh, in an intermediate championship. Referee and umpire uh, struck after the game. Um, uh, they were struck. The umpire apparently had struck first and then uh, you can see from the video the referee getting struck on the uh, on the field and there, again there's supporters and there's uh, subs and there's management and everybody in the field about 40 50 people in on the field and like wh where does it all end what do we do H how do we stop this like the, somebody suggested to me uh, the other day that anybody involved at all um that's not 
a player, uh, not one of the 15 or the 30 players on the field. Anybody who gets involved from off the field, be it a sub, be it a supporter, be it management or whatever, thrown out of the organisation, full stop. It's not on. You can't have people. It becomes a criminal act when somebody runs onto the field and strikes a player or uh, an official or whatever. And, you know, something needs to be done about this. And I suppose, Kieran, you'd probably be the man to go to just because you're involved in the county board and CCC. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it it, it is becoming a little bit of an epidemic. Somebody from Tyrone put up that, um, you know, people were you know, uh, broadcasting this and there was no need to. But these things do need to be broadcast. Mm. Well, anyone that knows me and talks to me, especially with my work with the juvenile board, that I'd be quite a stickler for clubs to be reprimanded for this kind of thing. And I, I don't think, I think we're too tame. We're not, as an association, we don't deal with the discipline properly. I don't think, when two lads are fighting with each other, or there's three or four lads on the field to play, they can get their cards, whatever, it's, de- it's dealt with. It's not, it's not that serious. It's a, like it says, it's a, it's a tough sport and lads hit each other, a lot of contact. But I think when a third man comes in maybe and hits a fella who's not prepared for it, or a supporter or, or a manager or a sub comes in, I think that's where we have to throw the book. And I think maybe the, the lifetime ban stuff maybe is a bit too hard and they will win on appeals and they'll get it through. But there's no reason why we can't throw 36 weeks and 48 weeks and 52 week bans at these people. And I think finding the clubs a lot of money because there's no better man than the treasurer of a club to say, well, what the hell? You're after getting us three or four thousand of a of a fine, and I've seen it happening at Vela level and at third level, and we we find clubs at that level, and clubs have completely changed their tune. It's only it seems to be this epidemic of the melee. I think it's the it's not so much the players. I think I think you're right in saying it's the it's the extra people coming in. I think yeah. they're the ones that have to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I think we're sometimes the G we're sometimes too. Some, some, somebody else said to me, uh, it was the same guy. He said to me like. Are they stewarded enough? Is there enough stewards? If you've got that many people, do you need more of a presence well, on the side of the pitch? Like if, you, if you looked at, uh, if you saw the golf last night with Tiger Woods, you saw the, the amount of people that kind of rushed towards Woods mm-hmm. to get close to the hole. It was actually, the commentators said they had never seen anything like it on the golf course. If there's people making a run for a thing, it's very hard for a steward. Like legally now, and he'd be, he can't put a hand really on anyone. If someone makes a run for a reference, it's very hard to actually lay your hands on another person, like legally and, I think it comes into an issue that the GA just has to deal with people retrospectively and obviously police this, the lines and the stuff to try and get them from not going on the field. But And the funny thing is is that uh, regulations and everything, when you are doing up a pitch mm. and whatever, when, you're, when, when Copar or when Park Touching will be done up, mm. you know, there's a maximum height you can have on the side of the field for yeah. a fence and stuff like that, which is lower than what's, in it, what's uh, currently yeah. there yeah. or whatever. Um, so... It just and a lot of these, if you if you watched any of these melees that took place, they were all on new pitches and the fences were all low. Like and the Port Leash, where you can pretty much just walk onto the field. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of yeah, yeah. Port Leash, Tullamore, and then, on the side you know, Doctor Hyde Park, and you know all these pitches that have been done. They all and even Crow Park. So like, you're you know advocating I mean? nothing beats a good old fence. Let's just well, well, high well, one. The only thing is, is that the wall, and the G are going to pay for it. But David, I suppose. Going to you, you, we've discussed it as well on the last few um, podcasts and whatever. And it's it's not something we want to see in the GA, no. and it's 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 given us a really bad image at the minute. I don't. Yeah, it's it's funny because this is this probably this isn't a new thing. I think obviously a couple of these incidents have happened, you know, in quick succession. 
But I think the age of social media, it's brilliant. Social media is brilliant and for results and for videos and the Pod- likes of what podcasts. we see in Dublin and podcasts, absolutely, <laughs> and blogs. <laughs> Sorry, I spoke, spoke a bit loud there. but um, This is probably the downside to social media because 20 years ago, these kind of things happened, but they never, they never scratched the surface because... You didn't, the, you didn't have a video to go out and as soon as anything happens now I'm not make, I'm not saying it's right yeah, by yeah, any yeah. means but as soon as that happens now you have people whipping out their phones taking videos of this and a thing that's probably a matter for let's say it happened in Mead for the Mead County Board to deal with it's becoming a national thing Yeah, and we're seeing it people in Dublin are seeing it people in maybe America Australia are seeing it it's been spread WhatsApp all these kind of social media platforms so that that probably that side of it is there, but look at it, it is a huge problem. Um, something has to be done. If it takes life bans, so be it. So be it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. I stand by that too because fair enough. You can give thirty six weeks, fifty two week bans, whatever. For if not for minor instance, but for lesser instance, mm-hmm. you know, which which doesn't cross. But when you have people invading the pitch from 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 the supporter section, yeah, or yeah. whatever, getting involved, I think that crosses the line. And um, something really needs to be done, yeah. And Brian, I suppose we'll go to you lastly, but not uh, leastly. Um, has this ever happened in Centriston? Ah, no, we're a, we're a model crowd out there. <laughs> Never any trouble in Centriston. <laughs> but I, I think, really, it comes down to, with referees, there's a serious lack of respect shown to referees in, in the GEA at the minute. In rugby, only one or two fellas can speak to the ref in a match. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in football in Harlan, Every second fell in the sideline is roaring abuse them. Maybe they're struggling to get paid after matches by clubs. I think it'll come to a stage when there just won't be referees for the games if clubs don't cop on at their behaviour. And it's only when something like that happens that it will probably be properly dealt with. Yeah, yeah. And it does. It's probably, as you said, uh, David, and whatever, it's been going on for a while, but when you see it um, so up close and personal on social mm-hmm. media, it just, it, it does frighten you. And I suppose for referees and, and officials out there to see something like that happening, um, you know, it doesn't make their job any easier. Um, and No, and, and the, even for younger referees as well, like, you know, the lads are probably well aware of uh, Andy Smith. There was a fabulous story about him mm. from the Chocolate going around there a couple of weeks ago. He's one of the young referees coming mm-hmm. through in Mead. The likes of lads like him who are younger and that, getting this abuse, as Brian was saying, is tough. Especially, you know, I'm not saying guys in their 40s and 50s have tougher skin, but they're, they're sort of, some of them don't mind the abuse. Others do take it on board, but especially for younger lads aspiring to be good referees, looking at videos like this isn't going to encourage them. Absolutely, yeah. And hearing the abuse that goes on at games from the sideline, from the stands, from the players... Especially, like Brian talked about the, the rugby example, and that's, that's the prime example for me. You watch a rugby referee talk to a player. It's like a, it's like a father talking to a bold child. Absolutely, yeah. And, he, and he's, he, he shuts up, he listens to what he has said, end of story. That's it. No giving out, no back chat, no nothing. And that respect, I think that's probably where we're, we're missing it in the GA. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I played in a novices rugby tournament down in Cavan a few years ago. Um, and the guy that was refereeing it was a friend of mine and uh, it was a novices tournament we knew nothing about what we were doing but obviously something had happened to me and I, I turned around and I go, Jesus Christ referee like what the hell and he, he turned around and he roared at me 
And I mean, like you said, like a father would to a bold child yeah. back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, he nearly had a wooden spoon looking at me. And he says, you do not open your mouth to me. And he roared at me and whatever. And I just cowered back yeah. like a bold child and went, God, I'm sorry. And when he says, I said, you don't answer me. Don't speak to me. And this is a guy that I knew, but he refereed a uh, rugby man. Afterwards, I went up to him and I said, and he goes, no, that's the way you referee in rugby. And and even even the, the mics, you know, the way when it, if, if there's a decision to be made in rugby, you can hear what he's saying and you yeah. can hear the player and what he's it. saying. <laughs> Obviously, that's difficult in club football and stuff, <laughs> but, but definitely at county <laughs> level. Talk about lifetime bands, we know. Lots yeah. of bands. We'd have parked college and built in no time. There are a couple of referees um, now at inter-county level that do mm. speak to the players was, and explain it to them and whatever. And you do see that on the field mm. and you can see the players mm. walking away going, oh, okay, then right, I, I, I can think, understand. I think like, if that was introduced at county level, particularly games that are on television and that, I think a player would think twice about, you know, giving, yeah. giving some back to the referee if he the, knew that he was going to be here. The Dubs weren't impressed with that documentary they did with David Colderick a few years back, the county final, or the other final, when he was audioed, but uh, mm. nobody knew that he was taped. Yeah. So that, and there was Philly McMahon and a few others were a bit, bit uh, choice language at times. And the, as you said, I'd say if they knew they were going to be taped, they might have been a bit more. Ah, the fucking dubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I made sure to say to mention that was like, the dubs that did it. The reality is, in the last week or so, I've spoken to a referee who has walked away from a referee and because he's been abused twice after matches in the last mm-hmm. three or four weeks, mm-hmm. and he he's had a son with him, and he said it's just not worth it. No. So we can't afford to have referees walking away from the game. No, no absolutely. Without referees, we have no game. You know, um, or, 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 else a fun, have, or a football. <laughs> <laughs> without referees, we'd have an interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, before, before we finish up this week's podcast, um, David, uh, obviously from the Risman blog, um, I, I expect we'll be having a, a Risman blog on Sunday or Monday of uh, this weekend coming. Yeah, my thesis is due in Friday week, so <laughs> it'll all depend how much of that I get done this week. So <laughs> hopefully, no, no, I should have it next Monday, please God. Yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll be resident in Park Tolchin over the weekend. All the Saturdays games and Sundays games, and um, some crackers there. Um, but. Uh, can you give us a taste for some of your humour that you might... Uh, do you work on that before? Or no, no, it, it sort of just happens. Um, <laughs> just I'm actually... Kieran's allowed me permission to stay in Park Tolton Saturday night, so I'm oh, setting up base, um, <laughs> setting a tent out on the pitch on Saturday night. <laughs> to stay the, the press box is a better spot. Dave, you and the pigeons. <laughs> yeah, myself and my friends. But no, generally, the, the, the sort of one-liners and that kind of comes to me. I do be... I do actually watch things like uh, John Curry a few weeks ago from Ballon Break. He actually didn't put in the podcast, but he, he came out and he blessed himself at the, <laughs> at the start of the second half and that. And stuff like that I'd kind of look at. Um, just little things you pick up on during the game or before the game and that. That's generally where it happens. The likes of Tommy Field maybe and hopefully Stephen Moran isn't marking any Giants <laughs> this weekend. And he'll probably escape the brunt of it. But, uh, no, no. Yeah, more than a midget. That has stuck with him, I can tell you, at training. But uh, look, lads, I want to thank you again for coming in to do the podcast with us this week. Um, it's it's just getting bigger and better. And everybody out there, I, Kieran, we've spoken to you about this earlier on. Stay tuned for upcoming competitions um, on the podcast and uh, watch Twitter for them. Uh, there could be some exciting times ahead for, for the followers. Um, and remember to follow us on Twitter. Uh, like and share us as well. Get your friends up and uh, following us. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. And remember, we are Meads. Why matters more. <laughs>